Hey, hey, what's up, party people? Current coming at you again with another book review. Today, I have a book which is a two part series called The Turn of the Screw and the Aspen Papers by Henry James. Now, I say there's a two part because both of these are novellas, so very short stories, which have been combined into this one book that I have with me at the moment. So it's sort of like a two parter. Lucky you and lucky me. Now, this book was published in, well, the, the two parts of it were published in 1898 and 1888, respectively. And they're shortish fiction works, essentially. Now, Henry James was a really prolific writer who used his own experiences as part of his stories. So, the setting for The Turn of the Screw is in, I think it's in Sussex in London, or at the very least, he lived in Sussex, London, and used that to form, I guess, like the English countryside that's depicted in that. And then as well in Italy and Venice, where the Aspen Papers is set. Now, for the two synopsises of, of them, I guess, the, the first, The Turn of the Screw, is essentially a, a ghost story. It's a horror story. So, it tells of a governess who enters this household where she has to look after two young children. And she keeps seeing these ghosts of the, of the previous governess and then one of the caretakers as well. And it sort of highlights her continuing, I guess, it, it could be two things. It could be either her descent into madness or the appearances of these ghosts and the interaction she has with them and then with the other people, the two kids and the caretaker, Mrs. Gross, who is still um, helping her out in those times. The other book, The Aspen Papers, tells of a, I believe it's like a, a middle-aged man who is a writer and a publicist, uh, publicist and he is going in search of these papers, the Aspen papers from his favorite, his like the most renowned poet writer who had died sometime before. Yet these, he has reason to believe that some of the, the documents, some of the, um, I guess like treasures of, of this amazing prolific writer are still in the possession of this old lady and who was once a lover of this um, writer of Aspen. And so he goes to Venice in Italy where she has like a, a sort of dilapidated mansion and lives with her niece. And basically he goes there trying to convince them to give him the documents, what she still has. And it's sort of like a battle between her not wanting to, to hand them over or acknowledge these, these previous, you know, very personal writings. And then also him pressing but not pressing too hard and the i won't spoil how the ending goes but it's basically the drama between these three characters and of of how he interacts with them as well now the themes of the books i'll start with the turn of the screw it deals with hysteria and madness and a couple of questions are raised. Did the governess actually see the ghosts? Were they actually real or were they figments of her imagination? And was she fueled on by Mrs. Gross? So what we see in the book is her gradual, I guess, hysteria is probably the best way to put it, where she is continually going further and further and taking more dramatic actions um, to protect herself and others against these ghosts. And so she first confides in the the caretaker, Mrs. Gross, and then sort of little by little with the kids as well. And one of the things is she is really, really in her head. She is 
analyzing every movement of every person and not validating that in the real life as well. It's sort of just validating that like if you if you study body language, for example, you can try and predict a billion things from very small pieces of information and that's what she was doing. So, you can see this just descent into I, I guess like a hysteria where she is just imagining all these things that are happening and interpreting what people are doing as a malevolent or hiding something or whatever, whatever. So, just for example, the one of the main characters, the, the young boy, he gets expelled from school and she never actually just asks him, oh, like why were you expelled from school uh, or tries to find out on her own from the principal or whatnot. She just conjuct like conjures up all these imagination things of he was a lying, stealing, you know, terrible boy, blah, 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 which is in total conflict with the actual person that he is and what she acknowledges, which is, you know, a loving, kind boy, very helpful to his sister, a, um, you know, a studious student. And it's just interesting. He, I, Henry James really captures that, that madness, that over-analytical side of someone, which I, I think he does to a T. And one of the other things was Henry James was a big proponent of everyday horror of a, not a sort of monstrous, you know, gruesome aspect of gore or of unknown beings from a different planet coming in and, you know, being super graphical and whatnot. No, he tells his horror is based on everyday situations, a lady looking after two kids and she'll see some ghosts or thinks she sees ghosts. And it's, it's just very interesting where he, he really tries not to embellish things. It's sort of things like you could, you could pretty easily imagine that. You could pretty easily imagine a ghost appearing on the stairs on a dark night. It's hazy. You've just woken up and, and blah, blah, blah. Now, for the turn of the, uh, sorry, the Aspen Papers, one of the questions is what is ethical in the pursuit of value and truth? Now, in this one, in this case, it's kind of obvious that he's doing things a little bit dodgily. He he doesn't come out front. These people don't want to willingly hand over the papers, so he has to sort of trick his way in. And it's I guess there's something very strange about fascinating or just being enamored with someone, especially someone who is dead and you have no relation to in in particular, but also it could be a celebrity or whatnot, and the way that you then interact with other people based on this relation, this fictional relationship that you have. So you can imagine that with celebrities, right? They've got a crazy stalker fan and they don't see the bodyguard of that person uh, as a real individual, as a human being. They're just the object attached to their fascination. And this is what happens in the Aspen papers. He allows himself to do some very morally, morally questionable things to, get closer to this old lady and her niece to get these prized documents that he values so much and that he, you know, he's essentially willing to do basically everything short of physically breaking in and and taking them for himself. So, it's it's just a, I guess, like highlights that aspect of, of fixation and getting obsessed with something where if you do it, it can go into some very strange and, and unreal places as well. Now, my personal observations from the book, I don't like suspense and scary stuff. I've always been 
odious of horror movies. I do not enjoy them. I don't enjoy thrillers particularly either. That that sort of heart-beating sensation of anxiety that's produced. Whatever reason people love it, it, it just doesn't do anything for me. So, reading this book, these books, uh, especially The Turn of the Screw, the Aspen Papers, I, I enjoyed a bit more than Turn of the Screw. I just don't get the thrill from it. It doesn't excite me. It's not something I seek out. Now, also novellas, uh, an interesting length because they're very short. So, I'll just quickly have a look-see here at how long The Turn of the Screw is. So, the Aspen Papers is the the longer one and that goes for about 120-ish pages roughly, a little bit more. And The Turn of the Screw is probably about the same length. And one of the things this means is it's it's long enough to capture the attention and get some character development, but you have to be quick at it. You can't like mess around and and add unnecessary details. So it's an interesting length of a book, but then again, it's not long enough to you know really buy as a proper book. A uh, hundred and twenty book is is relatively short. So yeah, it's it's just interesting. I guess the style that that then creates because you need to be very critical with creating your characters and how you actually go about doing that and the final observation i really had was after reading a lot more fiction than i normally do these past couple of months i'm really growing to appreciate the the necessary steps of stylization and i guess the appreciation of just how difficult it is to create a memorable character a lot of the characters I've read in these books, they're just going to go out of my memory because they didn't have that sort of special thing in them that made me go like, whoa, this is this is something really interesting. This is something really cool. And I, I would say it's pretty hard to do. Uh, I, I would say if, if you write a novella and you remember a character from it, that is really indicative of, of great writing because you can write something really long like The Odyssey by... Um, Homer and Odysseus you're going to remember him just because if you read something for like 10 hours you're going to remember about that character whereas these sorts of books where you maybe read of them for one or two hours you really need to have a a dialed in on that character and and you know whatever it is that makes us like things you know I like certain characters or people whatever it is you need to capture that you know perfectly in the style wise and in your writing so, in summary, it's a quick read, but nothing that really gave me new ideas or connections, which is what I'm really trying to find, I guess, in the books that I'm reading nowadays. I want to have something new and it to make me, like, make me be able to link from this to another thing and then to another thing, whereas this book didn't really do that. And that being said, like, of the two, I, I definitely preferred the Aspen Papers and, and that's the other thing. I don't particularly enjoy horror and thrills and things like that. So, just no matter what, no matter how good the writing is, and I think it is quite good writing, I'm just not going to particularly enjoy it. So, a bit of a harsh rating here, but I'm giving The Turn of the Screw and The Aspen Papers a 5.5 out of 10. Now, to finish off, what's something pragmatic I'm going to take from this? I think I need to give a bit more perusal beforehand of what books I'm reading. Recently, I was going through a a phase where I was like, look, I'm going to read more classical books and fictional books, which are both things I sort of neglected in my reading career uh, for the past, I don't know, 10 plus years. So, 
I have been doing that. But that being said, I don't need to particularly go down the route of reading just everything that is labeled as a classic because, you know, there are genres that and it, you as an individual will particularly more enjoy. I am enjoying a lot more the Greek mythology than I am, say, the Victorian level romances and things like that. So I think I need to give a bit more thought beforehand and that's something I've actually implemented. I've, I've got a more structured list of books where it's like, you know, if I was going to die in a year, which of these books do I wish I had read first? So I've got that list now. So this is something I've already putting into practice, but, you know, it's still something to take into the future. So that is it for today for the book review of The Turn of the Screw and The Aspen Papers. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got something out of it. If you like my style, I guess, of, of how I present the books, going through first the, the summary, then the themes and the observations, and then you know another summary at the end. If, if, that, if you find that useful, please let me know. If you don't, also please let me know. So I hope you enjoyed and that's it for today. Karen out.